That smooth Christian jazz you're hearing means you've tuned in to Same Old Song, the lectionary podcast of Mockingbird Ministries. I'm your co-host, Aaron Zimmerman. I'll be joined by Jacob Smith as each week we break down the lectionary readings for the upcoming Sunday to give you something to think about, and if you're a preacher, to give you something to preach about, and no matter who you are, to give you a connection to the never-changing message of God's grace for actual people like you. Unzip that monogrammed faux leather Bible carrying case and cover, pull up a chair, and let's dig in. Well, here we are, Jake, for another episode of Same Old Song, or as I like to call it, The Sounds of Jake's Office. I was just listening to a recent episode, and I was like, hmm, Jake's chair needs some more WD-40. And then, but, you know, you could be, you could be sitting on a cushion on a pile of feathers wearing suede. I'm just thinking of very soft things that don't make a lot of noise. But the sirens, the dump trucks, it's unbelievable. Yeah. You live well, it, it gives it gives our show an earthy quality. I feel so, like we're uh, the grittiest preaching podcast that goes to the lectionary. Absolutely. The grittiest podcast of two Episcopal priests going through the lectionary based out of Waco and Manhattan. Yeah. We're clearly number, number yeah. one. We are the most gritty uh, lectionary podcast, um, hands down. So, uh, but uh, yeah, no, it gives it an earthy tone to it and lets you know that we're real. We're we, real. There's some major street cred going on here. Yes, we are so real. Uh, Although this morning we're recording in the morning, so it's uh, yeah, not the a little peaceful outside. I mean, everybody's getting our morning best. This is we're at our freshest. We've not been <laughs> hit by the and drained by the the pastoral duties which we uh, which we must um, undergo mm. every day. All I right. know. You look good. You look good. The, I know the product in my hair is still working. <laughs> so, but <laughs> just coming so up. So anyway, we are. Go ahead. Yeah, so how are you doing, Aaron? We Fine. are coming to the end of September. We're making our way into stewardship, and uh, the season is stewardship for a lot of people. Uh, but uh, nevertheless, we continue to preach through the lectionary. Um, um, and so today our readings are Amos 6, verses 1a, don't go to B, Mm-mm. and 4 through 7. And then we have uh, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 6 through 19, and Luke chapter 16, verses 19 to 31. That's right. And so we begin with this short little passage from the prophet Amos. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about him, Jake? What was Amos's, uh, what was he doing before he decided to get up in people's business? Well, I'm glad you asked, Aaron. <laughs> um, Amos, well, Amos was a, um, was a prophet. Uh, basically, um, we, you read about him in the first chapter. He, Amos, who was among the herdsmen of Tekoa. And so uh, he was a shepherd, and um, he was a man uh, basically more comfortable in the hills. He was very country, but uh, was called to the mean streets of Jerusalem and uh, to prophesy to Judah. And he prophesied um, roughly during the reign of Jeroboam, and uh, who ruled from 785 to 745 BC. And uh, basically, you have two kingdoms at this point. You have the kingdom in the north, Israel, which is also 
comes known as Samaria, which is the ten tribes, and then you had two uh, two of the tribes, uh, Judah in the south. And uh, Jeroboam is sent to these uh, kings, and uh, he begins to do something very interesting. And uh, as a prophet, he begins to... See, what we love to do is we love to categorize people. We love to say, you know, those are the good people over there, and those are the bad people. And I'm definitely part of the good people. Amen. You know, I'm much more pious on the outside. And uh, what uh, Amos does is he comes and he delivers uh, a word to... Uh, uh, to Judah, and he says, basically, you're no different than what's going on in the northern kingdoms. So you, it opens up with these words, there's the horn, alas, and uh, um, and so, but that should be translated actually, woe. Uh, woe for those who are at ease in Zion, and for those who feel secure on Mount Samaria. So you have it both, uh, Judah and Samaria. You're no different. Yeah. Uh, it's not good guys over here, bad guys over here. You're no different. And uh, this is really the beginning of, um, of the understanding of the human life, uh, that, that uh, but by the grace of God go any of us, and that our life, I mean, Luther writes this in his, uh, in his first thesis, you know, the entire Christian life is one of repentance and humility, because uh, there's no difference, there's no good guys, there's no bad guys. Yeah, and that woe, it's not W-H-O-A, like, whoa, it's W-O-E. That word, uh, W-H-O-A, though, there's major debate about whether it's W-O-A-H. It's so frequently misspelled. Anyways, yeah. I'm just standing That's up there. That's got me up at night. I know. I'm just That's taking, a, taking a stand for correct spelling. But I think, so, yeah, this Mount Zion, Jerusalem, versus Mount Samaria, you know, the Samaritans, the northern kingdom. Horrible. Um, this, it's so fascinating uh, to me that... Um, they clearly have this word that um, the the judgment of God is the same on both. Nobody stands on a on a higher pedestal than anybody else. Everybody's lying on beds of ivory, which, as we know, ivory is super comfortable. Um, mm -hmm. Just a bunch. My of favorite are the tusks. folks drinking wine from bowls. Yeah. It's like, I, I mean, don't need point... no cup. I'm going to get me a big old salad bowl of wine. Mmm. Yeah. It's... That's, I mean, that's the point. It's like you're not drinking that out of a flute. Yeah. Your, your intention here is to get blitzed. Yeah. And so that's a... I mean, this is like Jersey Shore or whatever you want to talk. It's sort of like a life of, um, of having, like partying and ignoring the plight of the poor and... There's also, we know, like idolatry that's always going on with the people of Israel. Uh, so, this is um, people uh, uh, ignoring the world around them, ignoring their own spiritual uh, internal life, ignoring external realities, just kind of living in denial and numbing the pain and all that sort of stuff, uh, and not grieved over the ruin of Joseph, you know, not grieved mm. over what's going on outside in the, in the world. And um, the, the, there's this clear word from the prophet to them, wake up and uh, see what's going on. They don't hear it. And we know that because by the time we get to Jesus's ministry, which is like 3,000 years later, they're still fighting this fight. They're still like, well, we're from Zion. No, well, we're from Samaria. And he has to speak to them. So I think, you know, it says something about the the ability of human beings to hold grudges and uh, hold things that give us uh, pride, make us feel better than other people. We can hold those things for a really, really long time. 
and also the human capacity for uh, denial and not really mm. hearing. Um, and just how, I mean, it is like we can relate, to, uh, many people can relate to this idea of like, I'm just going to drink wine and uh, yeah. just kind of be in, live in my gated community and not really think about anybody else. And um, and I think no, it's, it's, yeah, go ahead. Oh, no, I think, I mean, and I think if you were going to preach on Amos, that's the direction that um, I think I would go is the uh, description of, well, one, categorizing, but uh Part of the categorizing and is, uh, you know, a way to separate ourselves from dealing, like a way for not dealing with ourselves. And then also this whole thing of laying on beds, lounging on couches, you know, drinking bowls of wine, you know, playing idle music, et cetera, et cetera. All of this is a way to inoculate ourselves from the pain. And who uh, doesn't inoculate themselves from pain? Uh, you know, you talk to a lot of clergy. And, um, and we'd rather inoculate ourselves to, to the pain and, as opposed to, as it, this great book by Graham Greene, The Power and the Glory, yeah. about a whiskey priest. And, uh, you know, and at the end, you know, they're like, well, what's your deal? And he's like, I just cannot handle the weight of human sin. And, um, and it's like this real, I mean, it becomes, it's real. And so, therefore, um, I think that the prophet Amos draws us to another, the one that Amos was looking forward to, the one who um, lavishes us um, uh, with the wine of gladness, uh, the cup of salvation, and where in that we find all of God's grace, all of God's mercy. And although we can't see it, behold, we make all things, he makes all things new. And so um, I would kind of drive to that, that um, drive to the one who allows us to see ourselves as we really are and pronounces forgiveness and love over us and um, begins to, by virtue of his resurrection, Jesus see us as a new creation. Yeah, and there is too, like the passage here says, it, there's a very, very much like a Jesus uh, note here where um, it says that these people who are doing really well in life, the winners are going to be the first to go into exile. Mm. So this is sort of the first shall be last, basically, which is what Jesus will say many centuries after this. And uh, it is um, actually a merciful thing to try to get somebody who's in denial to wake up. There's a bit of an, uh, what the prophets are often doing, and certainly what Amos is doing, is an intervention, uh, mm -hmm. which it's not, it, it feels harsh, but it's harsh in order to wake people up to, to what's actually real. And um, this exile is coming because the people have turned away from the source of life and uh, the result is death and the end of all they know. So this is God trying to wake people up, which is why Jesus also uses strong language. He's very much a prophet as well. Um, and the, the hope is that they would stop trusting in very temporary things that ultimately will not satisfy and turn to the one who will and receive mercy and grace. The, the idea is that they would um, uh, fall on the one who loves them. So, uh, I mean, I love yeah. that. It's a perfect segue into 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 6 through 19, uh, where um, Paul is writing to Timothy and uh, he says, you know, he says, but those who want to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. Uh, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, and their eagerness to be rich, some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pains. And, uh, you know, um, I mean, I think 
that now First Timothy can sound a lot like law right off the bat, and it is. But uh, when we look at it in light of like the grace that he's already been talking about, what you begin to see is that um, this is just a description of life as it already is. Yeah, that is exactly right. And, you know, thank God that Scripture is so honest. It's not like a commercial for coals or whatever, like which just, you know, any commercial is going to show people that are really happy. I mean, it's amazing. Commercials for phar- pharmaceuticals always show people with like really life-threatening, <laughs> like quality of life damaging conditions. And they're always like playing volleyball and stuff. So Yeah, you actually have a colostomy bag. You're not playing football. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, um, commercials don't tell the truth about life but the bible wow. actually does and it's and yeah mm. it is it is actually yeah the um more money more problems uh or no money more problems like basically life is really hard and um many times the thing that we think will save us or make us happy won't and um and the, it's interesting, I always love it, that he doesn't say the money, that money is the root of all evil, it says the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And that is true for rich people, it's true for poor people, it's true for middle class people, it's true for everybody. Um, and it does end up piercing you with many pains. We all know people who have kind of um, become burnt out shells of the people they used to be because of whatever they've been chasing. Um, and, you know... And if anybody, by the way, this is coming in September, if you're planning a stewardship campaign and you need a theme for it, um, don't pierce yourself with many pains is a good one. I think uh, that's going to be the the theme at Calvary St. George's, no piercing with pains. Um, Give your money to Jacob Smith and the work of God at Calvary St. George's. But I think uh, this passage, again, uh, it is like there. The whole, all the readings from this Sunday are going to be very, very. It's all kind of heavy. Like we're going to go into the Luke 16, which is Lazarus and the rich man, and um, they're all about money. They're all about possessions. They're all about our relationship with our stuff, and um, it can feel like a lot of law. So uh, I think it's important to remember a couple things. One, there's a graciousness in God being honest with us about telling us what no one else will, which is that material possessions and the chasing after money is a very, it's a, it's a very dangerous dance partner. And um, uh, it, it can destroy your soul. And so there's a, there's a good and loving warning there, just like any parent would tell their child not to drink the bleach under the kitchen sink. Hopefully you don't have it available there and you have safety locks in your cabinets. But there's sort of a, there's that sort of graciousness here. There's also, again, a description of what does the heart look like that has been loved and forgiven and set free from the need of all these sorts of things. Um, The person who has been, because a lot of the the chasing after all this stuff, it doesn't come from a place of health. It doesn't come from a place of feeling secure in who you are. Uh, It comes from uh, a needing to prove oneself. It comes from all that sort of human ego trip stuff. And so... If you are rooted in Christ, the work of the Holy Spirit in you is to begin to pry open your fingers from the death grip you have on your money, your possessions, and, and your need to kind of prove yourself and and uh, and all that. So that's why in this First Timothy passage, he does he, he has this really good word: fight the good fight of faith, take 
hold of the eternal life to which you were called and for which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. This is Paul saying, come back to the gospel. Fight the good fight of the faith. That's come back to the gospel. Don't go into the law. Don't go into proving yourself. Um, And he says, pursue righteousness. Again, that's a righteousness that is given to us from outside of ourselves. Apart from us, yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. Godliness, faith, all that. Um, That's, those, these are all gifts. So be open to the gifts. Um, take hold of the eternal life. That means, again, remember the gospel. Remember what you said. Um, and he, of course, says uh, that... Um, uh, well, I love this uh, where he says, um, you know, to, and, and of Christ, who in, in his testimony before Pilate made the good confession, you know, uh, a.k.a. my kingdom is not of this world. Mm-hmm. This, is, this is not what it's all about. Yep, and he, and he ends with this incredible vision of the King of kings and Lord of lords. It is he alone who has immortality and dwells in unapproachable light. So Paul here is zooming way out. Like here we are all just kind of focused on what's in our, like uh, what's in your wallet. Um, but Paul says, zoom out. Uh, unapproachable light. This is who we are focused on. And that sort of puts a lot of things in perspective. Um and, you know, then he kind of closes with, as for those in the present age who are rich, you know, there are people in this little kind of, um, uh, this little earth that we think is actually a big deal. It's just it's just this present age. And there are mm. people that are rich. But don't set your hope on those things. Uh, it's un- the uncertainty of riches. And this is, again, a good thing to remember. Anybody that thought cryptocurrency was going to solve all their problems, well, if you want to see an example of the uncertainty of riches, um, or the real estate market before 2008, all these sorts of things. Um, uh, the point of money, he says at the end here, is to do good, to, to, to give it away. Um, and uh, and it's not real life. What is real life is Jesus Christ. And so that, again, it frees you to be generous. It frees you to be like the people at the end of It's a Wonderful Life, um, as opposed to in that movie, Mr. Potter, who holds on to all his money and um, instead of making things grow and giving life, he actually brings death everywhere he goes. So, uh, this is the, um, again, this is, it's, these are good things to preach on, can be heavy things to preach on, but I think, uh, you know, you always want to end with looking at Christ, the one who, um, who gives with such a free and open hand and frees us to do the same. So, turning to Luke chapter 16, to this passage. It's intense. You've got this rich man dressed in purple, fine linen. He's um, a sort of picture. I love that Jesus doesn't say this is a parable. So, yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, mm. I picture here Lizzo when she appeared recently on SNL, like in it, like all in Gucci and all her, all her backup dancers, all in Gucci. So, uh, and uh, here this, this rich man is feasting sumptuously every day and right outside of his gate is a poor man uh, named Lazarus. Um, the, and the, for the record, this is what Amos is railing against. Yes. Like, this is what Amos is, this very image. You know, there's an appearance of piety, there's an appearance of having it together, but he uh, walks right past uh, the poor man, Lazarus, covered in his sores. I, I mean, I see this all the time in New York. You know, we have uh, we put on our ear pods and, uh, you know, and... Um, and uh, listen to our podcast or listen to Spotify while we just pass by everybody going on the street. And so, um, what's ironic? Know, not aware of what's happening. As you say this, there's We're gonna all be somebody, there's gonna be somebody listening to the same old song podcast while walking past a homeless person. And they're <laughs> yeah. gonna feel super convicted. And maybe it's you gonna be you, ag- Jake. 
It probably will be, but you can't escape it. That's what I want to say. You know, this is why we so desperately need the gospel all the dang time. All the dang time. That is 100% true. Uh, this rich man, I think historically tradition has it that his name was Dives, it's, but uh, it's not actually in the story. Uh, but really? You, you might see it that. referred cool. to that. Yeah, I, I, that's, it's, if I'm wrong, please, readers, let me know, or listeners. Um, but this is coming up from deep into the from the memory banks. But so Jesus tells a story. These two men, um, one is very poor, one is very rich. The rich man ignores the poor man uh, every day, and uh, when they're buried, they end up in different places. Um, the rich man is in Hades, being tormented, and across this great gulf, he sees the poor man Lazarus in the bosom of Abraham, in the good place. Yeah. And he asks for mercy and wants mm. just Lazarus to come and dip the tip of his finger in water and cool his tongue. And um, Well, this, and is, this is the interesting thing about this, though, is that um, so he dies. And, you know, death actually, it reveals everything. Um, it reveals who we, we really are. And so uh, <clears throat> the poor man, he goes to Abraham's bosom. And then La- uh, Laz- the rich man is in this uh, other place, Hades. But he says, have mercy on me. But notice what he doesn't, he de- there's no repentance. There's none of that. It's just like, by the way, I mean, so he's the same guy down there. He doesn't say, you know, hey, is, what can we do? He order, He says, like, let's get Lazarus. And the way the tone is in the text is like basically orders him to send Lazarus down to, um, so the, the have mercy on me isn't like a re- sense of repentance. It's like, man, I'm really thirsty do something about this. You know what I mean? And so send that poor guy down here to cool uh, to cool my tongue. Yeah, it's like uh, after finishing 18 rounds, uh, 18 holes, and you're at the 19th hole, and you're like, hey, caddy, you know, bring me a, bring me something. Um, yeah. And what's interesting is that he knows his name. Uh, Ab- uh, the rich man, know- he says like, oh, I see you, Lazarus. So we get the fact that he knew his name. He knew him. So he it's not that he just like walked past and didn't see him. He actually knew who that was and um, asks for Lazarus by name. Uh, and um, what's another interesting thing to me is that um, Abraham speaks sort of tenderly to uh, the rich man, child. Uh, and um, it's not this uh, sort of, uh, you know, booming voice of, uh, anger. It's, it's just uh, kind of honest and still somewhat compassionate child. Remember you received good things and Lazarus evil things, but he's comforted and you're in agony. Um, and the, there's, there's this chasm that no one can cross. Uh, interestingly, then the rich man asks, um, well, in, he still doesn't get it because like you said, Jake, he still sort of sees Lazarus as this kind of servant type. Mm-hmm. Um, He's like, well, if Lazarus, so, okay, so Lazarus can't come and give me a little drop of water, um, and he can't cross the gulf, but maybe you could send him as a messenger, like, give him a little, give him a little, a little electric bike, and a little courier bag, and send him to my brothers, uh, and let my five brothers know who are, like, also completely screwed, like I am, because they are also rich, we're a rich family, and they're also ignoring poor people, and so just send Lazarus on a little, little message, and Abraham replies, look, look, they've got They've already received Moses and the prophets. That you know, we've just read Amos. Like they have Amos. They've heard it read in synagogue. They know what it says, and they're not gonna. If, if they're not gonna take the word of God, uh, 
given to them, which they've had since their childhood, they're not going to and they're not going to hear someone even if they rise from the dead. And this, there's two places, that's and that's powerful. that's this is the not the, there's the two ways to connect to the gospel here because you do want to preach the gospel because they're people are going to hear lots of law. It's all true. It's all good. It's all holy. We're all addicted to our possessions and our money, and we all have this unhealthy relationship with our stuff. And there is this word that you're going to preach because you can't not because it's all in these texts about all that stuff. But the thing here is one. When it says there's a chasm between and no one can cross from there to us, um, there is one person who does that and it is Jesus Christ. And so that's where this begins to to um, to point to him. But then at the very and end, Moses clearly, and the prophets point to him. <laughs> yeah, and it, yeah, and it says um, neither will they be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. But so, the the point here is that someone has risen from the dead and he is speaking to you. So even though in a sense Abraham here says, look. Even if someone rises from the dead, no one will hear. God, who's always merciful, as we say in our prayer book, his property is always to have mercy. Nevertheless, he still has this quote-unquote Hail Mary pass. He still will come to everybody in your congregation. Someone has risen from the dead. And even if they are like um, the rich man and his brothers, hardened of heart and not wanted to hear, even so, even if he says they're not going to listen, nevertheless, God raises his son, Jesus Christ, from the dead and sends him to preach this message um, to everybody in your congregation on this 16th Sunday after Pentecost, that there is one who has fulfilled the law for them, who has uh, poured out his extravagant love on them, uh, canceled all the debts that they have, and offered them uh, a real life where they can maybe begin to release their hold on their possessions. Um, So... That's all. Anything else you would want to add to that, Jacobus? No, that's good. That's good. I think it's all a good right. place to stop. Okay. Well, this 16th Sunday after Pentecost, in the heart of stewardship season, fundraising season, and most of the Episcopal Church, and maybe wherever you are, um, an invitation to consider your relationship with your stuff, but also, as always, an invitation to remember the gospel of God's grace. Well, Jake, until next time. We'll talk to you next week. Somebody's looking, somebody cares Somebody wonders what you're doing today You know we crucified him, buried him But three days later, well, the stone got rolled away and yes, Thanks for listening to Same Old Song. Hope you found some gospel nuggets for the pulpit or for your life. If you like what you heard, leave a review or rating in Apple Podcasts. Dave Zoll will be sad if you don't. Thanks to TJ Hester for audio production, and remember to keep that Bible by your bedside, ready to rock and roll.